which is something that still puzzles me, by the way. I have a lot of puzzlement in the awareness space. You're listening to KBCast, the cybersecurity podcast for all executives. Cutting through the jargon and hype to understand the landscape where risk and technology meet. Now, here's your host, Carissa Breen. Ian, welcome to the show. Now, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while. I've seen your stuff. I've seen your videos. I like what you do. I think what you do is different. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show today. So before we jump into a little bit more about cybersecurity awareness, getting your thoughts, what are you seeing in the market? We always like to start our podcast off with talking about you and your journey. So please walk us through, where did you start? And how did you get to doing what you're doing now? Oh, wow. Now, there's a story. Um, hey, KP, thanks for having me on. This is absolutely wonderful and a pleasure. Um, so so where did I start? I, I grew up in, in the UK, in Liverpool in the 70s and 80s. Um, and I first started as, as a mechanic. That was my trade. Jobs were very hard to come by. Having a trade was all important. But I realised through my apprenticeship that I, um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't cut out to be a mechanic. I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't for me. So I was really interested in electronics. The computer boom was happening then. I had the ZX Spectrum, Commodore sixty four, all of that type of stuff. Um, so I decided to blag my way onto a university course because um, I had no qualifications to speak of. So I got onto what's called a HND, which is um, probably just below a degree. And talked my way into an electronics course where kind of fell into security from there. Uh, I joined the Ministry of Defence from that point of view. And this was the early 90s then. It was 1991. So I joined the Ministry of Defence. And then and then ever since that, security's just felt like home. It wasn't even, wasn't even security then. It just kind of felt like home. It, just coming back to my earliest roots, though, my dream was to be a professional footballer. That was my dream growing up in Liverpool and to play for Liverpool. Now, when you say football, soccer. you mean soccer, I mean, right? I, I mean football. The rest of the world gets it wrong, okay? <laughs> yes, so... so um, I always get confused when I yeah, think yeah. about that. But you guys call it... It's soccer. But yes, yeah, just so yeah. everyone listening, we're on the yeah. same page. So soccer for like Aussie Americans and football if you're in the UK. Exactly that. Exactly that. And and actually, uh, I used to live out in in Australia in Brisbane, so so I am used to it being called soccer. So so yeah, that that, that was my dream. Never quite made it. Made it as a semi professional um, footballer, um, and and had some some decent success at that. But it wasn't enough to to earn a living at. So so I I joined the Ministry of Defence, uh, and then and then spent about ten years with those guys doing really cool stuff really enjoyable stuff, doing stuff that people generally would never get to do in, in their life with great big, great big machines and things like that. So, <clears throat> so it was really cool. Um, obviously stuff I can't talk about, but, um, uh, and, and then found my way into, uh, the dot-com bubble in London in 2000, where I seemed to stay drunk for about a year. I think it's probably my personal best at staying drunk. For, for don't drink, kids. By the way, um, for for about a year before then, I joined Symantec for five years, uh, and we had a ball uh, for five years, uh, and then and then out working. I went out working for myself then. So for for the last, where are we now? Twenty twenty two. So for the last 
16, 17 years, I kind of been working for myself in one guise or another, doing consultancy, um, all, all, all the normal stuff, security architecture, ISO 27001, NIST, all of that type of stuff. Um, and now um, some CISO stuff as well. And then recently um, I found out that being an idiot from Liverpool and dressing up on video can be a career. So, so that's kind of how I've got from from young lad in Liverpool to old grumpy person from Liverpool dressing up in stupid clothes and making an idiot of himself on video. Wow. Okay. So I like that you start off as a mechanic, but then you sort of navigated through, uh, you know, doing different roles, various roles, and you touched on the football career for a moment. I'm keen now. So obviously people probably do know who you are and, you know, your videos and stuff like that. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about your perspective on the cybersecurity, like the awareness side of things. Now, I guess depends on who you speak to. You're going to get varying answers, but I'm just keen to hear your take. You see things differently. You want to do things differently. You want to bring a level of modernity to the space. So I think this is really important for people to hear your thoughts and perhaps maybe where people are like going wrong even. So, yeah, I think um, for, for the last few years, I've kind of been concentrating more on on how do we how do we make awareness a little bit more fun and a little bit more engaging? Because to be quite honest, most people would rather go in for a root canal than to sit through a boring hour-long presentation telling people not to click on links, right? Um, and and we've all been there. And 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 organisations who do this seem to get the most monotone, uncharismatic person in the world to deliver that type of training. So no wonder people find it a snooze fest, right? And apologies to everybody who's ever delivered that training who's listening to this. Um, but other people are far too polite to tell you that it's not that interesting. Um, I think part of the issue is that we can't be ourselves in work. If if we're ourselves outside of work, inside of work, we'll probably get fired within five minutes, right? So so that's why we can't be ourselves in work. And I think that's a shame. I think that's a shame because there's a lot of outside of work, there's a lot of fun and, and, and there's a lot of humor and there's, and there's a lot of irreverence. At least it's permeated my life for, for all of my life. And I'm, I, I thought to myself, why can't I bring that into work? And actually... Even before doing the videos, I was always that person. I was always the person who'd make the silly quip in a meeting, who'd make, who'd, who'd lighten the mood. Um, because actually, it's a bit too serious, isn't it, business? You know, unless you're a brain surgeon or a copper or a fireman or stuff like that, we're not saving lives, are we? Let's face it, you know, or we're not digging roads. It's not proper work. And yet people take themselves so serious. And that's what I want to do. I want to remove that seriousness from it. Because um, when you go home to your wife or your husband or, or, or boyfriend or girlfriend or, or significant other, you know, you don't turn around and say, shall I prepare a meal that's holistic and synergistic for us all? You know, you turn around and you say, what are we having for dinner tonight, love? You know, what's your fancy? You know, and there's that type of, and that's what I want to bring to it. Because I think, I think when we do that, and we show our human side to people, I think people become more human back and they're willing to trust more. Because evolutionary, from an evolutionary point of view, that's how we develop societies in our ability to help and trust. Because otherwise we wouldn't have banded together to get off the savannas and, and ward off all the other homo erectus type of species. 
and and save ourselves from saber toothed tigers. I'm probably being anachronistic there, by the way. I don't know, um, but but as as human beings, that's that's what we want. It's also our our failure as well. Our failure in being helpful and trusting is why we click on links. Is why we fall for scams. Um, you you know, and and another thing that drove me to do it was um, people being disparaging about their fellow colleagues in terms of using terms like the weakest link, or I want to, I want to build a human firewall. And it used to wind me up because it, it's almost an arrogance from people to say, "Oh, that's common sense," or "You're the weakest link because you clicked on that." Newsflash for everybody, by the way: anyone can be susceptible to that type of scam. Anyone can be susceptible to click on that link. And if you don't think you can be, you're even more susceptible. There's plenty, plenty of studies on this stuff that show the more intelligent people are, or they think they are, and the more they have a blind spot to, to things like that, as long as you pick the right enticement to, to get people into it. So so that's what I largely I wanted to do. I wanted to give a human voice to the monotone corporate boringness that was out there at the time and actually is still out there now monotone corporate boringness yeah you're so right 100 percent uh i mean look i worked a number of different organizations i used to fail the trainings because i was in security at the time too which is like really bad but i think i failed it because i didn't want to pay attention to what i had to watch from memory it was like a series of videos and it was just it was just awkward and i was just like why like they paid all this money to get these videos like actually handmade, let's call it that. And I just found it, uh, it just, it wasn't very appealing. So I, what worried me was that I was failing these videos and I was in that space. So imagine other people that are not in security, that are viewing this stuff, that are probably like eyes glazing over, like this is so boring. So I'm just, I'm curious to know that, do you think, People are aware that it is boring, but they just choose to do it anyway because they've got to do, go, go, they've got to do something, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I think that perception of boringness pervades. So they may not even have sat training at that point, but somebody's told them, "Oh God, I've got to sit this, this." It's the annual training. I, I, I don't want to do it. But there's a bunch of other stuff I think that leads up to that that puts people off. Being told they have to do it for the kickoff, right? I think when you're when it's mandated that you have to do this stuff, then you're you you instantly have some barriers up against it because, you know, let's let's make no bones about it. People outside of cybersecurity, people do not care about cybersecurity. And I'll go to battle with anybody who says, Yes, I care about it. No, you don't. You don't. You only care about it when it happens to you. If people cared about cybersecurity outside of cybersecurity, there'd be no breaches. Stuff would be patched. We'd do the basics like we tell people to do the basics. So I would challenge anybody to turn around and say, yeah, we care about cybersecurity. No, you don't. You care about your share price. You care about your profits. The last thing you're going to care about is cybersecurity until it starts to affect that stuff. You know, so so, 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 I think for, for me, it's recognizing that. And it's recognizing that for the people who you're trying to educate. And and the other thing as well is if I think back on my school days, I try and think back on the teachers that made an impression on me. Now, there was enough sadists at my school from a teacher point of view that were willing to batter you, right? 
So corporal punishment was still in then at school. They could hit you with a cane. They could slap you around the back of the head. They could throw chalk and board rubbers at you and things like that. And that regularly went on. And you could probably expect it from from a teacher that's trying to control 30 prepubescent boys in Liverpool, right? You could probably expect that type of stuff. But the one I really remember was the teacher that made me laugh, was the teacher that made the, uh, the lessons interesting. I try and bring that through into the videos. If I can make the video interesting, if I can give a hook within the video that keeps them watching every 10 or 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and keeps them interested to watch and through to the end, and they take one little snippet away from that, I don't know, change my password, make it stronger, um, uh, download the password, whatever it is, if they can take something away from that, my job's done. And and I don't think much training offers that. There's some other good training out there, by the way. I'm not saying mine is the only training available. There is still good stuff out there, but it's few and far between. You have to wade through a load of rubbish. And unfortunately, that rubbish spend more money on marketing and SEO and stuff like that than the little vendors. So you don't get to the little vendors and you think that 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 rubbish is the only game in town. Yeah, you're so true. Do you think people are offended by your videos, though, perhaps? Oh, I don't care. So there's an easy answer to that is I don't care because I know I'm, I'm setting out not to offend people. So I know where my videos are coming from and the context of where my videos are coming from. And it's not to offend anybody. So I'll pick targets, but I'll never pick individuals or targets, unless it's a big individual like a, an Elon Musk or stuff like that. And I never really <laughs> go after – I'm not stupid. I may look stupid, but I'm not stupid, right? But organisational beliefs or things like that as targets rather than rather than individuals. And, and I think is when you're never attacking the little guy, when you're never attacking the underdog – when you're always kind of punching up to, to the bigger concepts that we can be, kind of believe in and challenge, um, uh, you're always on safer ground, but you will always offend somebody. I cannot please all the people all the time. And I realise I'm Marmite or Vegemite to people. I understand that. Um, and, and for the people that don't like it, um, then they can scroll on past or not do business with me. For the people that do like it, they they love it. You know, it's 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 a breath of fresh air for them. And and I say quite often when somebody says I'm offended, I'm like, so what are you offended at first off? To just check I haven't tran- transgressed the line. And when I f- when I realise I haven't, because I'd be mortally offended if if I have offended somebody myself, because that's not what I've set out to do. Um, but but if I have uh, transgressed the line, I'll try and make reparations for that. But. All the times people have pointed stuff out in a video, which is not very often, to be quite honest. Um, I've gone back and I've looked and I've gone, no, that's, that's, you've missed the point of what I'm talking about there. You've come at it from your context. And actually now you're asking me to solve an emotional reaction you've had to something. And there's no way on earth that I can do that because it's your emotional reaction. It's not mine, you know, so... Mm. Now, I say that because, I mean, people on the internet, they're just offended by anything. I mean, I had one woman years ago, I used an analogy about fishing, an analogy, and then she said, I think she commented, it's something that's really stuck with me. The specificity of what she said, it sort of escapes me now, but she said, I don't like the analogy you use. Can you use an analogy about planting trees instead? I was like, I talked about an analogy. I didn't say I was out there fishing. Like, I just sometimes people can one word could just trigger them or something that you say so it's 
it's interesting, and I ask this because I put myself out there and I understand what it's like for people to sort of lock on to one word and then say, oh, well, you meant it that way. It's like, actually, no, I'm pretty sure I know what I meant. You've missed the point. Yep. Or people will say, oh, but you didn't consider this thing. It's like, yeah, but if I considered every single thing, I would be here for years. So I can I can empathise with, you know, and I can understand your position because I've been in those positions before. Uh, but, yeah, it's very simple to scroll on past, like just move on and don't worry about it. But some people do feel this need to comment negatively or whatever it may be. But I just know that being on the internet uh, in this day and age, people are offended by everything, like anything. They are. And the weird thing is that people who get offended want to watch more of it to be even more offended. It is almost like I know we've gone past May the 4th now, but it is almost be like being a, a, a Jedi Knight and, and fighting a Sith person, you know, because actually hate leads to anger, anger leads to, 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 the, to the dark side. And it, it's, a, it's an emotion that feeds off itself and people get more and more angry. And, and it, what they're, they're probably part of the audience that will watch all the videos through, through to right to the very end. And even the silly stuff I stick on the end, sometimes the bloopers and, and things like that. And they'll get even more offended at that. And I'm like, just chill out. Go somewhere else, you know, go and bother somebody. Because what I am sure of, right, and this is what the internet gives people. The internet gives people the anonymity and the distance to be rude that they would never do if they were in your company, right? No matter who you are. And I happen to be a six foot four scouser. Scouser is somebody from Liverpool. I happen to be a six foot four scouser who is not afraid of telling somebody where to go, right? So if somebody was rude in my presence like that, I would tell them where to go quite easily. Now, I know violence is not the answer. Um, it's uh, it's the answer for some people. But I know violence is not the answer. But actually, that kind of aggression they show you over the internet, that passive-aggressive, I didn't find that, and all of that stuff, is almost the same. It's, it's, it's almost from... It, it brings in another interesting concept. It's it's almost like um, a bullying concept, right? Where if if they don't like it, they may get some of their friends to jump in on that conversation to say they don't like it. Twitter's great for this. Twitter does this all the time, you know. Um, I, not so much on LinkedIn, but I've had it on Twitter, and and I'm thinking, well, there's now five of you telling me that you don't agree because you're backing your friend up. Um, how how different. How different is that now than what you think I've done to offend you? How different is five of you having a go at me, telling me this, that, and the other, and calling me names and stuff like that? How different is that from what you've now been offended at? And and you have to grow a thick skin on social media. You really do, because there's morons everywhere. And I include myself as a moron. We all have the moronic gene, right? We all have the capability to be morons at times in our life. But it seems that certain aspects and certain corners of the social media world is where they gather more, just seems to me. No, you're so true. But the other thing that what still gets me is why would you waste your time being negative towards someone? Like just so hypothetically, I saw something I didn't like it. I don't comment. I just move past it. That's it because I don't want to also exert my energy onto something negative because then it ruins your day oh you know that ian guy his post annoys me so then i'll get five of my mates onto it yeah, yeah. and then start berating you for no real like well i don't want to foster that type of energy or that 
yeah. type of behavior. I don't do that. If I don't have nothing nothing nice to say, I just don't say it at all. That's it. E- end of story. I don't want to be. I don't want to be harsh towards people. I also believe that people that put themselves out there, it's a hard it's a hard job. And so when people that comment that have never put themselves out there, that's what really makes it interesting. Oh yeah, there's there's a famous uh, I think it's Teddy Roosevelt, the president at the time, who, who talks about the, the the man in in the arena, um, about people, no matter whether you fail or not, if you're covered in blood and sweat and stuff like that, you've had a go, and that's important to me. You know, that's important to me that that you have a go. So I I go to a lot of soccer matches. Uh, my team is Liverpool. As I may have mentioned, I'm from Liverpool, um, so I go to watch those guys re- re- regularly, and I sit next to guys who are criticising professional footballers on the pitch for not for not doing the pass that they thought they should have done or not doing certain things, and and I'm thinking, you you guys have no idea what it takes to be that professional footballer, the hard work they put in, the sweat and tears, the stuff they go without. Yes, they get paid handsomely, but the stuff they go without. You know, the very disciplined, the athletes and all that type of stuff. And this guy who's criticising a professional footballer on the pitch gets out of breath standing up out of his seat, you know? And I'm thinking, where's where, where's the... There's lots of people who coach from the sidelines. Lots of people who coach from the sidelines. There's very few people who pull the boots on, strap in and go out there and do it. Yeah, that's so true. I, uh, I think I was talking to someone about this the other day. I, I think I was using a basketball analogy it's really easy to sit at your sit at home on your couch and have a go at someone about you know why they missed the last shot or whatever it is um now the terminology i'm probably not great at but it's like you've never you know had a foot in their court at all like so how are you in a position to do that and i always it's just hard because i think i have this level of empathy now because i've been on both sides Uh, i know what it feels like for people to criticize you it's like what like, I get you've got an opinion, everyone's got an opinion, but until you've done it, like, I don't think you're really in a position to, like you said, coach from the sidelines. And it's something that I do see often. But then do you think that because people are afraid and they are worried that they are going to be coached from the sideline, maybe that's why they're not pushing the boundaries when it comes to, like, cybersecurity awareness? Or, I mean, obviously you are, but you're, like, one person and there's 7 billion people on the planet. So I'm just curious to know the behaviour around why we're not pushing the boundaries? Because people don't want to show their true selves at work. They don't want other people to think bad of them. They want to put, they they want to pro- project an image. So so they want to project an image that is um, professional, whatever that means, is corporate, toes the party line. They don't want to say anything um, out of order in case somebody else gets offended or, or, or all of those types of things. And I think we are breeding an existence now that's going to be sterile in in several generations you know where you'll be afraid to say anything you'll be afraid to express an opinion um and 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 i think that's damaging for for all of us and and i think that's why people yes there's the social media thing i I can tell people that um you know having done this for a few years now uh, um that you will get people come on not liking certain things but but actually it's not the end of the world. I, I get that people don't like me. That's all right. Um, I, I can live with that. As long as the people who are close to me around me like me, that's all right. Um, so so I can accept that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think when it comes to others doing it, putting themselves out there, it takes, it takes a lot of bravery to do. 
Um, it takes, and it takes a certain amount of talent as well, right? It's it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to go in front of the camera or like I've started doing latterly, do stand up. Not everybody wants to do that because it's petrifying to them, right? So, so we get that. Plus also as well, I think um, the thing of it is, is that sometimes the temper is new clothes. So I see, uh, I'll, I'll speak to CISOs, right? And I'll, I'll talk to them and I'll talk to them about how I do the videos and what I do and why I do it. And they're like, yeah, we're good for that because I started my own videos. And, and in my mind, instantly in my mind, I'm thinking David Brent, right, from The Office. I'm thinking Ricky Gervais's character from The Office where they think they're funnier than anybody else. They think everybody loves them. Whereas the problem is the temper is new clothes and nobody's willing to turn around and say, boss, that video was shit. That video was shit and didn't engage anybody because you're just not that funny, right? And the production wasn't great and all of those bits and pieces. Or I'll get people who'll say, um, yeah, th- this is great. We've um, we've got a, a package from so-and-so. And I'll go, that's great. What type of engagement are you getting from that? And, and I'll go, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, we're getting people. And then if you go around the individual people who they think are really engaged in it, they're watching it because they have to. They're not watching it because they want to. They're watching it because it's part of, and it's tied into uh, into the fishing exercises that they do, which is something that still puzzles me, by the way. I have a lot of puzzlement in the awareness space. One of the puzzling things is why do we fish our employees? Now, I know on, on the high level, it sounds great. Fish them, teach them what to look at, and they won't fall for it again. But like I've said earlier on, anyone can fall for a fishing link. So showing them more and more of fishing links won't make them better at it, right? Everybody has the ability to fall for it. And and I always, talking about analogies that sometimes upset people, here we go, here's one. Um, so I always talk to people when they say, yeah, we fish our employees. I'm like, but that can break trust really easily if it falls into the wrong hands. I do get the positive sides of it, but if it falls into the wrong hands uh, and you try and fish them, by, say, offering them a bonus, which several firms have done, and get them to click on that link, then actually that's entrapment and it breaks trust with your employees and you push them further away from you. They think security is even more a bunch of souls than they already think we are, right? Uh, and I know this is, is some harsh truth for people in security, but it's true. I've been in the game 30 years, right? Maybe they just think I'm an arsehole, KB. That's okay. I don't mind. But... Um, but, you know, it, it distances them even further. I give them this analogy. I say, look, when I was a kid, we were told about stranger danger, right? We were told about stranger danger, about not getting into a car with strangers. There was adverts on the TV. Parents used to tell us, to tell us all the time, don't get into cars with strangers, blah, blah, blah. I said, what you're doing with fishing is akin to my parents employing a stranger to come and pick me up from school in a car and drive me around whilst I'm going out my wits worrying about that I'm in a car with a stranger, only to drop me back off at my mum's house at the end of the day with my mum standing there with a disapproving look on her face, turning around saying, see, told you not to get into cars with strangers. Will you listen now? So it's that kind of approach that people take with fishing to try and teach their... And, and, and my point is, it's not that we shouldn't try and raise the awareness of fishing and, and all the other scams that are out there but we can do it a little bit better and we can do it a little bit more inclusively and we can do it with getting people on board and we can do it with engaging them. And the answer to that is fun because it's the emotion that we attach most of our uh, instantly recalled memories to, right? 
So even if you haven't seen your friends for years, the moment you see them, you'll go, do you remember that time when? And it's always a funny story. It's never a terrible story. It's always a funny story. Do you remember that time when we did this? Oh, yeah, brilliant. And you start laughing about it again. And that's exactly what I try and do with my videos. I try and build into that the ability for people to to come back and keep watching them and keep finding different funnier stuff in it as well. You are right. No one's sitting there talking about, oh, I remember this time and it was like a really macabre situation that happened. So I do hear what you're saying. So one of the things that I want to know now is so how do you balance creative cool content with it not being like too cringe, right? Now I say too cringe because I've seen stuff before and I was like, this is cringe. Like I feel awkward watching it. Now I can't say companies' names. There was a company in particular and I said, there is no way in hell I am talking about this because this is awkward. And I felt uncomfortable as an employee thinking that this was like some next level revolutionary thing. And I felt incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, some people have said cringe on some of my videos, but I think they then missed the point of the video is that the production values um, and the way we approach it and the parody effect of it as well, it's kind of meant to allow people to go, oh, yeah. And, and have that moment where, oh, yeah, I may have done that. But but the cringing for me, not for them, right? So I'm the idiot in the sketch. I'm the person of derision in in that video. And and it's almost like giving them a proxy to go, oh, I, I, I remember when I did it and it was slightly cringe for me then. So But this person showed me that now. Now, don't get me wrong. When I'm filming the videos, there's certain things in there that I go, oh, I'm uncomfortable with that. So, so when I'm working with the team and when we're planning the videos and writing the scripts and going through that stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm slightly uncomfortable with that, certain things. But but actually, what we've got to then trust in is the process of, of making something that seems so bad, funny, um, overcomes the cringeworthiness, if that makes sense. It almost... So can you give an example of what something that seems so bad? I did a Cyber Girls one um, where I dressed up as the Spice Girls. and um, Which one? I, I dressed up as all of them. Okay. So, so we did it. And, and, we, and the, one, the one outfit that I really had a problem with um, was uh, Victoria's outfit. And because it was skin tight, right, and... And it was just uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. I'm a middle-aged man with a dad bod, right? And it was, it was, it was uncomfortable. To, it was uncomfortable to see. So you wore yeah, it. yeah, still did it. Yeah, yeah. But but there was that can. Or or we did the Rocky Horror Picture Show one where I dressed up as Frank and Furter as well in in stockings and suspenders and stuff like that. And that was slightly cringy. My wife doesn't watch them, by the way. My wife said, my wife will watch some of them, but won't watch all of them. She's like can't believe you've done that can't believe you've done that so if there's anyone to answer the cringe thing it's probably my wife (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) wow so you you take concepts that perhaps people like roll their eyes at and then you sort of poke fun of it or you try to find a you try to find a little bit more empowering by you know like dressing up and doing all these things is that have I got that right yeah yeah and um and we try and layer it as well so, so we try and layer it where we, we'll normally stick to one concept 
in a video or latterly animation. So I've started doing animations um, uh, and we'll try and stick to one content, but we'll try and layer it. So we'll try and give people a narrative through it, but then also giving them without being, I think it's important as well, you know, without being teacherish on it, without being, so what have we learned today, kids? Without being Sesame Street, right? We've learned point one, two, and three. It, it is a bit full on. So so actually I see it as a way of of offering um, uh, information into the subconscious by making it fun to get into the subconscious. That is that is almost like my, I'm, I'm using the video as the syringe to inject the drugs into the body for another terrible analogy, right? Um, but but it's it's about getting that information into the into the psyche and the amount of people who come back to me and say uh, I showed my wife that video the other day she downloaded the password manager I showed that video to my grand last week and she's actually gone and changed the password I get that all the time which is brilliant that's the bit I love you know that's um yes yes I want to um, sell them and make money and stuff like that so you know I can. I can keep making more videos and keep being an idiot. Um, but I also want to get other idiots involved at some point as well in the future where it's people just, just don't have to watch my face all the time, right? Um, but but that's, that's the real reason that I do that stuff is for the individuals. It's for the likes of my dad or my son or my wife or my family and friends. It's so they can watch it and go, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that you could get a link that would offer you fake AV, you know, or stuff. Or I didn't realize that if I clicked on a link and I entered this, then it could have been that, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just about, I keep calling it cyber savvy. It's just increasing people's cyber savvy. I don't want to make them security professionals. I just want to increase their cyber savvy that helps them stop and think. And I think that's fair, right? Like we're not asking people to become like a full-on practitioner. You need to know everything from the nth degree. It's just having a bit more awareness about what you are doing and maybe it's the way in which we deliver and how we frame things like through your videos or whatever it may be. So people go, okay, well, that resonated with me, right? So, okay, so I'm keen now to then look at the other side of this is where would you say companies in the past have invested like the wrong types of like programs historically? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people are just like, I've got to get a security awareness program in place. Have I done that? Tick. Maybe it's not the right one. Maybe it is. But I'm just curious to know, what have you heard? What's the word on the street? What are people saying? And how can other people learn perhaps from your experiences? Um, so so I've, I've run several. I've been in many different types of awareness things. And I think the, the, the overarching... The overarching problem, as I mentioned earlier on, is people don't really care that much about cybersecurity. Even and and I think the problem with that is that with programs, businesses get the equation wrong. Businesses put the business first. So the reason for people attending the training is to protect the business. And that's just wrong, right? The reason people should be trained in cybersecurity awareness is to protect themselves and their wider family and friends. That's a real tangible reason for them to join, right? That's a real tangible reason for them to get behind this stuff. I'm going to learn something that will help protect my kids in an online world. I'm going to learn something that will help protect my nan or my granddad in an online world or my dad or my mum 
if if we start thinking that way and we start making it a benefit for people to improve their own knowledge on it because one of the best ways of improving your knowledge on something is teaching it to somebody else right so if they're seeing content that they can then share with their family and friends that's interesting content by the way i've got to say that we live in a world where where the tablet or the phone is king now where it's attached to people 24 hours a day and they've got fleeting attention spans if you want to sit them down and put them through a mini series of 15 20 minute episodes of how not to do security they are not going to do it or if they are you better make it bloody funny right um so they're not going to do it um so so that's that's where i think programs should be going the the companies i talk to and the CISOs i talk to that's where they want it to go they want to empower their people and the lovely benefit of that is you don't have to tell people not to then do stuff in work or not to do stuff inappropriately that may cause a breach because they're already empowered they're already and savvy and they're already building that savvy and they're sharing stuff amongst their friends and family they're sharing videos have a look at that and and that's my whole raising debtor actually i'm i'm going to be uh launching the community uh, approach later on this year which will be a social approach I'm, I'm, I'll do that again because my watch just said, sorry, could you say that again? Um, I'm going to be launching um, a community approach later on in the year where I want to build a cyber community that's based around fun, but that's based on a social platform as well um, and allows people to share these, this type of content um, with their family and friends, allows them to build wider networks of family and friends. And I also want to get away from the, the boring LMS type thing where you you do a lesson or watch a video or do a quiz, get a certificate. That's boring. Nobody needs that, right? So I'm bringing in more of a kind of iTunes-y, Spotify type feel where you can create playlists for your family and things like that, where it's more of a an album type thing where you can say, you know, like the Beatles White Album or stuff like that or Abbey Road, there'll be an album cover and a theme on the album and stuff like that. So it gets people more interested in them. It talks to them as individuals and tries to play on on their 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 need for interest and stuff to keep them engaged. And and I think um, I think once you can start doing that, um, and once you can start building out that trust and community for people, you know, you got half a battle then of of having a more informed uh, workforce, a more informed family, a more informed uh, population um, of what of what the scammers do, how they do it what their usual approaches are and those bits and pieces, you know? So, so I think that's, that's my ultimate goal is to do that. And then, and then also then help organizations build that community internally, because most people talk about the C word, the culture word, and let's be honest, right? Culture, culture is not something you buy from a software package, right? Culture takes a long time to grow. And yet I see many awareness vendors now talking about culture behavioral culture and all that type of stuff and i'm like no that's that's not that's not how it works build a community first build a community that's interactive that's helping each other and it'll develop its own culture that's a lovely thing about culture it develops on its own once you get the right people in the right room obviously you can go down a bad route but if you're developing it around fun um and and around interest and content and around kindness you know, um, for the community, I've got one rule on the community: don't be a dick, right? 
Um, so, so it's just be kind to other people. Um, again, there's another Ricky Gervais show called Derek, and and Derek is is a guy who works in an old people's home, um, and and is 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 saying is just be kind. Kindness is magic, and it's true. You know, you don't have to be horrible to people. You don't have to um, be unkind. And and I think if you can build something around those tenets of fun and kindness and not being a dick, I think you've got half a chance of building uh, an inclusive community for everybody that like that type of content and fun approach to to, to learning stuff and, and hopefully sharing it far and wide with their family and friends. Yeah, you're so true. I think there's definitely, uh, yeah, I do agree with what you're saying. And I, I have seen people selling the, the, the culture type of stuff and it it's not something you can just buy off a shelf and then that's it, it's one and done. It does take a bit of time and it, there's a few people that need to be involved. Do you think that perhaps people overlook, uh, so going back to your earlier point around, you know, doing an LMS, sitting through, it's a bit boring. Oh, click, 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 do the little course thing at the end and, oh, you failed, which is what I used to get. And then I think I was on a non-compliant list, which is quite unlike me because I am a very compliant person when it comes to like the world. So I guess I'm just curious to see that. Do you think that people that are subscribing to cybersecurity awareness platforms with other vendors, for example, they just are perhaps a little bit out of touch with what is the attention span of people nowadays? How do people like to learn? Because other people like to read versus listening to a podcast or whatever it may be. So there's different way, there's different modalities to learning something. So do you think that people are out of touch with the reality of what their staff need to go through in order to to gain that level of awareness? Yeah, I I, I think they're massively out of touch, and I think they don't care as well. Uh, you know, and you'll get companies saying we care. Uh, you don't really do you? You know, because um, because the duplicity in life all over the place. What they care about is shareholder value and profits and stuff like that, and that's cool, right? That's I'm not decrying that. Of course, that's a valid thing to care about, but don't say you care in 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 human beings or staff when you've got a CISO who's calling them wet sacks of meat. Or that happened the other day, by the way. I was on a conference call when that happened. Or you've got a a head of IT who wants to sanction employees if they click on links. Again, that happens. You don't care about people if, you, if you're doing that stuff. You just don't. So don't try and tell me you do then afterwards, you know. Um, it, caring is about going around. All right, for multinational where there's thousands and thousands of workers, this is impossible. But caring is understanding that a Doris in accounts uh, needs time off to take a son to whatever, and going, all right, Doris, go and do it. Or that Dave in in IT needs to needs to nip off early at three o'clock because he's a single father. Go on, Dave, go and do it. That's caring. That type of stuff is caring. No, no. Um just saying it for platitudes. And and I think also as well, when you put compliance before your people, again, that's not caring. You do care, but you care about the wrong thing. You're caring about ticks in boxes. And you're not actually caring about people's emotions or feelings and what they want from it. You just want to get the order. And I think that's a whole different podcast, to be quite honest, around people um, managing security via compliance, because we all know anybody who's been in the industry five minutes knows that 
compliance doesn't equal security. Yeah, true. So I guess I guess like having you on the show today, it's just maybe brought that level of like awareness around maybe people haven't considered, oh, well, we are using an, an LMS. Maybe we should consider how our employees, how our staff actually learn, how they engage. Maybe it's just giving them that thought of perspective. So I guess that sort of leads to my next question. Like, you are right. No one perhaps really cares at the end of the day. And I mean, like, why should they? Like, if you're sitting in an organization, like, you don't really care about what Vanessa at Human Resources is doing, right? Like, you don't really care. Not your role. So I guess there's this fallacy that people should care more about security. Now, I get the reasoning for it. I really do. But it's that, it's just human nature, right? You can't, you just don't want to, you don't have to, whatever. So I'm curious to hear from your perspective now, Ian, is, I don't know, like even if like Steven Spielberg created a film on cyber awareness, like do you just think that people just don't care at the end of the day? And maybe this is a real reality that, yes, we of course we need people to care, but they just don't, right? Like maybe if we just accept that and we find other mechanisms to, like you said, not like pushing them on the compliance front and everything, like is this just the reality that we all need to hear or...? I think I think it's it's constant reminders, right? So so people generally don't care until stuff happens to them, and that's 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 a truism of life. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, as a seventeen-year-old child, I was involved in the Hillsborough disaster in in the UK, where ninety-seven supporters lost their life at an FA Cup semi-final when Liverpool played Nottingham Forest. It was only then, after that that the authorities started to take fan safety into account of football grounds. Up until then, we were herded like cattle. We were treated like cattle. So if you treat people like cattle, they behave like cattle, right? They behave the way you're treating them. And even, even after that, so fast forward, that was 1989. Fast forward to today, which is, you know, 30, where are we, 33 years um, later on. In, in 22, you still have fans. You still have fans at football games when they're offering a minute silence on the anniversary of that disaster, booing the minute silence, opposition fans. And that's the problem. It, 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 it's not that I'm saying they're terrible fans because all, all walks of life have those type of people. The point I'm saying is that people forget that stuff, right? People don't care enough about that stuff because they haven't been involved in it. I can tell you when you are involved in that stuff, it affects you and it affects you mentally deep down and for the rest of your life as well. And and I think when other people do it from a tribal nature, you know, to, to, to say, oh, you're the team we don't like, you're the team we don't like, it's, it's kind of um, people just have short memories from that point of, point of view, which is akin then to why should people then care about cybersecurity, well, they don't care because nothing bad's happened to them, right? If they then lost their job or lost their living uh, or, or or if a cybersecurity disaster had happened that led to people losing their lives, right, for whatever reason, people would start to care more, would probably see more legislation coming in then that actually made it illegal not to care about cybersecurity, right? Because that's where health and safety came about. Health and safety came about the, the legislation around that, around things like the Piper Alpha disaster, um, and things like that. So, so when those types of disasters happen, legislation come in. Up until that point, people don't care enough about it. And even if they then do come in, 
at a point of time, if you're not learning from those mistakes all the time, um, people are going to forget it. And we have a human ability that saves us from that fear. You know, we have um, our, our cognitive side of, of uh, our brain that stops us thinking about that too much because, you know, it would send us in, in a downward spiral. And I think that is the same for, for um, cybersecurity. I think until we see something major in cybersecurity, and we've seen, you know, people can argue we've seen major stuff in cybersecurity with the massive breaches and data loss and stuff like that, but it's always happened kind of to an organization, you know, and unless you're working for that organization or a partner that it hasn't really affected you. Affected you. I think when you see maybe um, a cyber attack on a nation state, which we've seen bits of, of course, but that cyber attack on the nation state wipes out all the nuclear power or all the electric power and stuff like that and this, that, and the other, and you can't get it back for whatever reason. I know I'm painting a bit of a an ap- apocalyptic view. I think that's then when it, people only start to care more about it. I mean, it's like anything, right? Like you'll be talking to someone and then they'll say, oh, well, you know, I used to eat like KFC and like McDonald's and then all of a sudden I – I don't know, had diabetes. And then that's what gave me the awareness to stop doing that. But they wouldn't have cared up until something catastrophic major had happened in their life because it didn't impact them. And unfortunately, we have to get to that stage. It's kind of like, you know, um, if you're hanging yourself and you realize that it hurts, then you stop, right? Like it's the same thing if you're eating badly versus you got breached that sucked. We're not going to do that again. I bet. I bet. You know. I, I guess we better pay closer attention to it. Better not make that mistake again. Better be more conscious of it. Like it's. Unfortunately, I think it's just human nature, and we can't care about everything in the world either. Correct. Correct. You can't. Um. And 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 there's the other side of it, right? So so it's the criminals know we don't care, right? They're not daft. Criminals are not daft. They know we don't care, and they know it's easy pickings as well. They know people aren't putting enough money into the cybersecurity defences. They know people aren't putting enough money into educating their people or educating them in in the wrong way. Um, you know, they fully understand all of that and they know how to how to play on that. Because guess what? Again, human nature. There has always been people that will look for the angle, that will look for the shortcut, that will look for for the chance to steal somebody else's nuts and berries rather than go out and collect them themselves. Again, it's part of being a human. You have people who are like that unfortunately Mm, no you're so right so I think it's just unfortunately we do have this vision we do want people to care I think as it relates to consumers on an individual personal level we will care and if we sort of show that in an awareness capacity I think people everyday people will care a bit more because I know people that have called me in the middle of the night saying oh something's happened to my online banking or someone's stolen my identity or something and then they are a little bit more cautious after that incident because it has impacted them and their life and their livelihood, their reputation, whatever it may be. So we don't want it to get to that stage. We don't want people to learn the hard way, but in some cases it's really the only way that you learn. Like it's when you're a kid and your mum's like, don't don't touch the stove or you guys call it a hob and then you touch it and then it burns and you don't touch it again, Yeah. But you don't, she could have told you that to your blue in the face, but until you touch it, you're like, oh, that hurts. You, you stop doing it then. So unfortunately, it is just human beings and we cannot code things in a way where we can 
remove a lot of the potential downfalls in human beings. You can't do that. I, I agree. And we have to accept that. And and that's part of what I talk about to people as well, is that actually, you know, when I, I get fed up with people saying human errors at the is 90% of all breaches, I'm like, bullshit. It should be 100% unless there's squirrels or something like that involved. Because actually there's a human involved in all of it. And that's okay. We shouldn't use that as a stick to beat our colleagues with. We should just go, people are going to make mistakes. They don't mean to. And it's our job to help them not to make mistakes. But when they make mistakes, obviously, if it's not deliberate, it's a mistake. When they make mistakes, we need to show a bit more compassion and empathy. Actually, if they then make, if they then double down on that mistake and make it more difficult for themselves, I'm thinking of recent breaches where people haven't come out and been genuine in their PR side of things, then actually you're going to get more people piling on. I, th- I think I think we're, we're now in a world where you don't want to you don't want to be honest and upfront in terms of saying oh we messed that up we messed that up we're really sorry we're trying our best to get it back you'd still get criticism for that of course you would but actually you're being genuine with people and most people the majority of people see that they see you being genuine i can spot a disingenuous person a mile off most of them are called politicians by the way so but 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 i can spot them a mile off and when they're not being human in front of people when they're not being themselves in front of people you can see that and i think that's where we come back to why i do what what i do is that i i i want to give that kind of human approach to it that genuine approach i want to turn around to people and go it's all right if you make a mistake you know life is full of mistakes i've made loads of mistakes i continue to make mistakes that's okay but let's learn from it and move on let's try and not repeat it again if you repeat it again, fair enough. That's no problem. Let's try and get a little bit better the next time after that. And I know that sounds a bit liberal and a bit compassionate, but actually, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with treating people that way and caring a bit, a bit more about them than saying, I need everybody to do the training. And if they haven't done it by October, I'm going to cut their access off to the network. I'm like, you're a bit of a prick then, aren't you? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty intense though. Yeah. I guess it's having that little... <laughs> We're dealing with humans at the end of the day. Like, they have a mind of their own. We can't engineer things in our favour. So, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Love what you're saying. Love what you do. Really appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing your thoughts. Uh, Yeah, can't wait to do it again. Thanks, Ian. Love it. Thanks, KB. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you found today's episode useful and you took away a few key points. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get our latest episodes. If you'd like to find out how KBI can help grow your cyber business, then please head over to kbi.digital. This podcast was brought to you by KBI.media, the voice of cyber.